M-R-N-A. Meat. They're going to get you. They're going to get you. Canada goes full Nazi when it comes to podcasts like this show. We'll have that coming up. And Woke Bambi. We've read Bambi on this show before. We're going to do Woke Bambi tonight. Uh, no, we're not reading Woke Bambi. We're going to tell you about it, though. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. <laughs> it's Monday. Yeah, it's Monday all around. Oh boy, happy Monday. We're in October. Lots going on, lots to talk about. We have all that stuff and a whole lot more tonight. So uh, today, don't, uh, don't, don't miss a minute of it. While you're here, right over there, there is a button that says follow, little green oval. Please hit that button. It's free, costs you nothing. And it really helps the show a lot. So thank you for doing that, those of you who have and those of you who are about to. If you don't have an account here at Rumble, it's free and it's easy. Just sign up, give me your email, start an account. You don't have to live stream. You don't have to post anything. Just start an account. That'll let you follow different channels like this one and uh, get notified when we go live. So yeah, check it out. All right, and one little piece of business before we get off to a start here, and that is our sponsor, Blackout Coffee, an amazing coffee company that not only makes an incredible coffee, but is an all-American company founded on the principles of conservative values. The founders believe in the importance of hard work, family, personal responsibility, respect, traditional American values. All that's great, but you got to make a good product, and they do. Blackout Coffee is the best fresh roasted coffee, all done in-house, and they source premium specialty green coffee beans, they are grown at the right altitude, the correct time of year, and the best soil. Uh, harvested at just the right time, they work with local co-ops and American farmers. This is an all-American company, which makes you feel good about supporting it. They also take care of our troops. They've got uh, all kinds of programs and ways that you can not only donate coffee to the troops, they also donate coffee to our troops and our first responders. And Blackout Coffee, roasted, packed, shipped within 24 to 48 hours from the time you place your order. Give it another few days to get to your door, shipping, and boom, you've got fresh roasted coffee beans, the like of which you've never... Folks, I'm a coffee addict. I drink a ton of coffee. In fact, it's right here as usual. Mm-hmm. And this is amazing coffee. You will... You will be impressed. Buy one bag. That's all you got to do. Just pick up a bag. You don't have to make some giant order. Just a single bag of beans. Give it a try. You'll be back because it's just that good. Hey, you're not a big coffee fan? Not a problem. Check out their Cocos. They've also got teas, an amazing assortment of Cocos and teas. But uh, man, this coffee, I'm telling you, you will, you will give up that brown water crap that you've been drinking when you... Uh, check out Blackout Coffee and use the link. It's in our show notes to check out the site. And when you check out, use this promo code J20, J-A-Y-20, that will get you 20% off your first order. J20 is the promo code for Blackout Coffee. 
Thank you, Blackout Coffee, for being a part of the show. We really do appreciate that. We love you guys. And thank you for supporting our troops, our first responders, and for doing all that you do. All right, you ready? <laughs> no, we're not going to start off with mRNA meat. We'll get to that in a minute. We're going to start off with what has been probably the story du jour from the weekend. This fire alarm idiot Bowman, he has issued a formal statement. If you didn't hear, hard to believe you didn't, he pulled the fire alarm, claiming to think it was how you opened the door. Obviously not. Uh, so anyway, he's issued a formal statement. Thomas Massey has the perfect response. Um, it's been a very bad couple of days for Jamal Bowman. He pulled the fire alarm Saturday in the Cannon Building as Democrats were trying to delay a vote. When you uh, do it before the eyes of the world and you get caught on camera, well, that's a special kind of stupid. Here's the security. You know, this is a frame. I believe this is a frame from a motion video camera. So there's got to be video of this idiot pulling this fire alarm. Well, Bowman and his staff has now moved on to the next part, the backpedaling, justifying bit. His staff admit he did it Saturday, but came out with some ridiculous excuse about his confusion, confusing getting on the floor to vote. Bowman himself said he pulled the alarm because he thought it would open the door. These are the people you are electing to Congress. Are you happy about that? The door was an emergency exit, which no one was supposed to go through in any circumstance unless there was an emergency. He allegedly pulled down the signs that were on the door before he tried to push it open and then pulled the fire alarm. He issued a formal statement did anyone tell him he probably shouldn't be talking when he potentially could be charged with a crime? Hmm? I mean, you know, people have done less. And you know, come to think of it, with all those hundreds of people that were in the Capitol on January 6th, why did no one think to pull the fire alarm? Interesting. Anyway... There's his statement. It's in the article. If you want to read this sorry excuse for being an idiot, feel free. It's in the link. It's in our show notes. It's just, it's just laughable is what it is. The Democrats are beyond anything that could be mistaken for being serious. Hey, this podcast... This show will likely not be being seen in Canada soon. I don't really think we have much of a Canadian audience. I see the numbers. We have a few people scattered around, a few in Canada. But uh, those few of you, you better find another way or get a VPN or something. The Trudeau government, true to their Nazi regime schedule, has moved to regulate podcasts. Yep, 
Here we go. They recently passed the Online Streaming Act. It's moving into its next phase of regulation. In fact, that happened just today, requiring podcasters like me to register with the Canadian Radio Television Communications Commission. Uh, I won't be doing that. <laughs> Unbelievable. So anyway, that is in effect. It's happening right now. And so if you're interested in free speech in Canada, I think the best thing you could probably do is uh, move out of Canada. Yeah, he's just going to keep going. There has been a lot of pushback, not only on this podcast thing, but on Trudeau in general. Time for you to go, pal. There's an insider report. This was our lead story tonight on whether or not you're going to get an mRNA vaccine, whether you want it or not. Insiders are revealing major problems at lab-grown meat startup Upside Foods. Now, this is not the mRNA story. I will get to that next, but listen to this. A billion-dollar cultivated meat startup called Upside Foods wants you to think the breakthrough chicken fillets it sells are made in some sort of futuristic factory where everything is stainless steel and clean and people in, in white suits. Well, that's not exactly the case. This is an amazing story from Wired.com. Check out the link in our show notes. On January, or July 1st, five diners sat down at the counter of the Michelin-starred Bar Cren in San Francisco for an unusual meal. They'd won a competition to become the first customers in the U.S. to eat cultivated meat. Red animal cells grown in bioreactors instead of a living animal. Now, for a nominal price of a dollar, they tucked into two pieces of a cultivated chicken filet made by the California startup Upside Foods, one of only two companies that have been cleared to sell this cultivated crap. I thought it was delicious, says Oscar Marino, one of the diners. The taste and texture was incredible. Mm. Well, before the meal, the rest of the group and Marino toured the upside production facility, which is across the bay in Emeryville, looked at the meat rows of gleaming steel bioreactors, each one surrounded by a web of pipework, the factory is where Upside says it brews its cultivated chicken. The facility demonstrates to the world exactly how this novel meat is made. But, here goes the but, former and current employer employees say the Emeryville plant tells a very misleading story about how Upside's chicken is actually made. In fact, sources say the company's flagship product, the juicy whole cuts of chicken, are brewed almost by hand in tiny bottles. The huge bioreactors 
simply aren't capable of reliably brewing the sheets of tissue needed to form whole cuts of meat. Insiders say upsides meticulously crafted fillets are instead the result of a process that is more arduous and unwieldy than using bioreactors. They grow thin sheets of tissue in small plastic flasks called roller bottles. Combine them to create a larger chunk of chicken. An approach that is expensive takes hours and hours, even just to produce a small amount of meat. And this process, according to uh, former and current employee employers, employees, happens in a laboratory that does not feature in the factory tours. Mm. So they got problems with their fake meat. You would not catch, you would not catch me eat this crap if it were the last thing to eat on earth, I'd starve or I'd live on blackout coffee. <laughs> All right, so if you are gonna eat an actual piece of meat, would you like to know what's in it? Would you like to perhaps know that maybe it doesn't contain an mRNA vaccine? That would be kind of a good thing to know. Meat from animals vaccinated with mRNA vaccines may very well work its way into the U.S. food supply. This is from the thinkingconservative.com. Epic Times. A growing list of food sources, including shrimp, pigs, and beef, are being targeted by mRNA gene therapy technology and the risks, they don't know. Huh. Sounds kind of like the COVID vaccine. What are the risks? I don't know. We tested on a couple of rats. Shrimp have become the latest addition to the growing list of food sources targeted by the gene therapy. An Israeli company seeking to bring mRNA vaccines to shrimp farming has raised $8.25 million from a group of venture capitalists to promote and improve animal health in marine species through its orally administered RNA particle platform. Oh, that sounds nice. The vaccine comes in the form of a coated feed supplement designed to enhance resistance to white spot syndrome virus. So, the shrimp eat that, you eat the shrimp, and guess what? Yup. Unbelievable. The mRNA vaccines, by the way, are, are already in use in pigs. So enjoy your pork while you can. Unbelievable. A startup, Genvax Technologies, creates mRNA vaccines for animals. In 2022, they got $6.5 million in funding to develop a self-amplifying mRNA platform that allows for rapid development of a herd or flock-specific vaccine matched 100% to the circulating variant of a disease outbreak. This is insane. 
So it's in shrimp, it's in pork, it's coming to beef, and you are going to want to, you know, the chances are they don't need to label this crap. You can look high and low, front and back, and the way things are going, I'm going to guess they probably are not requiring them to put that on the label, which should scare the hell we live in evil times, my friends. Evil, wicked, wicked, evil times. Unless you're a Democrat, or you live in a Democrat city, and you break the law, in which case you get a little, little slap on the wrist. Don't do that again. Now be a good boy. Go on. Go along and play. In fact, it's become so pervasive the criminals know this is the system. You see it all the time. You see people getting shot, murdered, assassinated in the street, robbed, beaten up every single day in my newsfeed. I have to look at this crap. Get a load of this. This is how ballsy these people are. A criminal-friendly Seattle I said that wrong. Criminal-friendly Seattle is so bad, a guy was shocked when the judge wouldn't let him go. You, yeah. It, they're so woke in Seattle, the criminals think they run the justice system now. There was a delicious bit of Schadenfreude in court on Thursday listening to an accused bad guy asking plaintively of a judge, wait, why can't I get the easy on criminals treatment that every other bad guy got? Now, the crimes this guy and five of his friends are accused of pulling off are frightening. Six black men accused of following Asian people in several Seattle areas and attacking them at their homes. In some cases, they used a taser to disable their helpless victims. Six people charged in firearm or burglary charges in connection with the home invasion robberies. Chief Adrian Diaz still can't tell reporters if they consider this to be a hate crime. It is difficult to prove a hate crime, actually. But uh, they list the names of the men and the charges. A crime in Seattle has exploded since Black Lives Matter or built large mansions and woke politicians combined to cut those racist cops. Here's the 16-year-old suspect's conversation with the judge. Accused child criminal. I can't get house arrest? Gesticulating. You let people get out. You let people get out. Judge. I'm not letting you out. Accused child criminal. Why not? Judge. Why not? Maybe you should ask your attorney. <laughs> yes, judge. Nice. So anyway, there you go. The criminals have gotten so ballsy, so bold, 
They think they're entitled. And they know how, oh, do, do, not, do not mistake for one minute that these criminals don't know how the system works. And will do everything they can to play it, use it. Unbelievable. <sighs> Seattle, which happens to be in Washington State, and Washington State happens to be the headline from our next head shaker story. Beyond the Pale is the headline, and man, this is exactly right. Washington State plans to remove community notifications and restrictions for sex offenders. Currently, if you are convicted of sex crimes, you're a sex offender, you have to be registered, and then the community that you move into gets notified that they have a convicted sex offender living among them. It's been that way forever. Well, not anymore in Washington State. Unbelievable. Read this article. It's insane. Northern California, Eastern Oregon creeps up in the news cycle when things get a bit slow. But how hard would it be to expel a state from the Union? <laughs> Namely, Washington State. Boy, that's a good idea. Can we just give it to Canada? Not a bad idea at all. According to an article in the Post-Millennial, the Washington State Sex Offender Policy Board is currently working with the state's Sentencing Guideline Commission. The board wants to roll back policies that dictate restrictions and sentence guidelines for sex offenders, including community notifications. You know, currently you can't be within so many feet of a school if you're convicted of child sexual molestation and all that other stuff. They want to roll all that back in Washington State and get rid of the community notifications. So that, that nice man that just moved in next door, keep him away from your kids. These laws specifically are designed to protect our kids. That's why they exist. So, Washington State, what reason can you possibly have to justify getting rid of them? Are they racist? Are they in a violation of someone's human rights? Okay, so move out of Canada, move out of Washington State. There's not going to be much left. You might want to move out of the southern border too, although they're not just staying at the southern border. They're moving everywhere in the country. And by them, I mean Chinese age, military age Chinese men with the same clothing, the same haircuts, the same tattoos. This is not a racist story or a racist comment. This is a fact. Never mind those hordes of military-aged Chinese men with the same clothing, haircuts, and tattoos who are swarming 
our southern border. Experts believe that more than 7 million illegal immigrants have crossed the border since Biden's been in the White House. The apparatchiks in the Pravda press downplay this whole situation by assuring us the invaders are families. You've seen the footage. They're not families. Single military-aged men, often from Venezuela, but there has of late been an enormous influx of Chinese. Single military-aged Chinese men and women finding their way into the country, and once they get in, they're gone. More details in the story. Check it out. Read it. Find out more. Be concerned. And please call your congressperson and tell them to shut the damn border. Is not going to get any better until we all do something about it. And that means you. And that means me. We have to. We have, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose this place. You don't want that to happen. Call your representative. Tell them how you feel. Tell them you vote and vote. Sad times, my friends, sad times. Stupid times, too. Hey, you know, coming up in just a bit, we're going to continue on with Lord of the Flies. We read books on this show in the last half. We've done mostly classic children's literature, Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, all those great books, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince. And uh, we also read Bambi, which was great. It was brilliant reading the original Bambi. Anyway, I remember as a kid, it was at the drive-in movies at the Skyview Drive-In in Torrington, Connecticut. I remember watching Bambi and I cried when Bambi's mom got shot and died. In fact, when I read the book, I got a little teary in that part of the book, too. They're going to rewrite Bambi. And guess who's doing the rewriting? Disney. And guess what? The death of Bambi's mother, it's been decided is too triggering for sensitive generations of parents and kids. Are you freaking kidding me? That's Bambi. A screenwriter who worked on the live-action remake of Disney's Bambi said the death of Bambi's mother has prevented parents from showing it to their children. Well, why? Death, my friends, is a sad but real part of life. They claim, therefore, it should be updated to be more relatable to current audiences. Lindsay Anderson Beer, the writer, working on a seemingly never-ending list of movie remakes, including Pet Cemetery, Sleepy Hollow, Lord of the Flies. Hey, Lord of the Flies. 
Star Trek Four, and of course, the live action Disney remake of Bambi. Although uh, Anderson Beer left the Bambi remake midway through, she shared some of the ideas the writing team at Disney had implemented to change the cartoon classic. What's interesting about Bambi to me is, this is a quote, absolutely is a classic, beautiful love poem, such artistry to it, it really is. I do think there's an entire generation of children who've never seen the original, and that's very different from, let's say, Little Mermaid or Aladdin. I can't tell you how many kids I've seen who have never seen Bambi, which is a shame. And now she said they are rewriting Bambi and they are taking out the fact that Bambi's mom dies. Because we have to protect the little ones from the reality of life. We'll let them grow up believing that everybody just lives forever. Yay, rainbows and lollipops. Bambi had a very important effect on my life. You should find the original. Show it to your kids. Brilliant, brilliant animated film. Absolutely amazing. All right, the last story, we always end with something that's either funny or cute or unusual or warms your heart. And this one is a heart warmer. It's a story that the Dalbo Dog, at Dalbo Dog on X posted. Not really, there is a picture here. I can show you the picture. Hang on a second. Let me just uh, flip over here. There you go. There's the picture. That dog sadly passed away. And this is the love of his life. And he was the love of her life. So now let me tell you the story behind this post. Listen up. Our 14-year-old dog, Abby, died last month. The day after she passed away, my four-year-old daughter, Meredith, was crying and talking about how much she missed Abby. She asked if she could write a letter to God so that when Abby got to heaven, God would recognize her. I told her I thought that we could do so, and so she dictated these words. Dear God, will you please take care of my dog? She died yesterday and is with you in heaven. I miss her very much. I'm happy that you let me have her as my dog, even though she got sick. I hope you'll play with her. She likes to swim and play with balls. I'm sending a picture of her. So when you see her, you'll know that she's my dog. I really miss her. Love, Meredith. We put the letter in an envelope with a picture of Abby and Meredith and addressed it to God, heaven. We put our return address on it and then Meredith pasted several stamps on the front of the envelope because she said it would take a lot of stamps for that letter to get all the way to heaven. That afternoon, she dropped it in the letterbox at the post office. 
A few days later, she asked if God had gotten the letter yet, and I said I thought he had. But yesterday there was a package wrapped in gold paper on our front porch addressed to Meredith in an unfamiliar hand. Meredith opened it, and inside was a book by Mr. Rogers called When a Pet Dies. And taped to the inside of the front cover was the letter we had written to God in its opened envelope. On the opposite page were the picture of Abby and Meredith and this note. Dear Meredith, Abby arrived safely in heaven. Having the picture was a big help, and I recognized her right away. Abby isn't sick anymore. Her spirit is here with me, just like it stays in your heart. Abby loved being your dog. Since we don't need our bodies in heaven, I don't have any pockets to keep your picture, so I'm sending it back to you in this little book for you to keep and to have something to remember Abby by. Thank you. For the beautiful letter. Wow. Wow. I assume likely somebody from the post office got the letter, opened it, and took all the time and trouble to do something amazing for little Meredith. People do still have good hearts. They really do. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The link to that story and that picture is in our show notes. I encourage you to share that out. Let people know that uh, there still are a few damned good people in the world. Wow. All right. Let's move over to our book. We read books on this show. We've done Bambi, The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland, White Fang, Jungle Book. Then we moved into the 1984 from George Orwell and Animal Farm. And now we are doing Lord of the Flies from William Golding. This has been an amazing book so far. We're on chapter two. And apparently they've started a forest fire on the island. That's where we left off on Friday. So here we go with William Golding's Lord of the Flies. Acres of black and yellow smoke rolled steadily towards the sea. And the sight of the flames and the irresistible course of the fire, the boys broke into shrill, excited cheering. The flames, as though they were a kind of wildlife, crept as a jaguar creeps on its belly towards a line of birchlight saplings that fledged an outcrop of the pink rock. They flapped at the first of the trees, and the branches grew a brief foliage of fire. The heart of flame leaped nimbly across the gap between the trees, and then went swinging and flaring along the whole row of them. Beneath the capering boys, a quarter of a mile square of forest was savage with smoke 
and flame. The separate noises of the fire merged into a drum roll that seemed to shake the mountain. You got your small fire all right. Startled, Ralph realized the boys were falling still and silent, feeling the beginnings of awe at the power set free below them. The knowledge and the awe made him savage. I shut up. I got the conch, said Piggy in a hurt voice. I got a right to speak. They looked at him with eyes that lacked interest in what they saw and cocked ears at the drum roll of the fire. Piggy glanced nervously into hell and cradled the conch. We got to let that burn out now. And that was our firewood. He licked his lips. Ain't nothing we can do. We ought to be more careful. I'm scared. Jack dragged his eyes away from the fire. You're always scared, you fatty. I got the conch, said Piggy bleakly. I turned, he turned to Ralph. I, I got the conch, ain't I, Ralph? Unwillingly, Ralph turned away from the splendid, awful sight. What's that? Uh, the conch. I, I got a right to speak. The twins giggled together. We wanted smoke. Now look. A pall stretched for miles away from the island. All the boys except Piggy started to giggle. Presently they were shrieking with laughter. And Piggy lost his temper. I got the conch. You just listen. The first thing we ought to have made was shelters down here by the beach. Wasn't half cold down there in the night. But the first time Ralph says fire, you goes howling and screaming up this here mountain like a pack of kids. By now they were listening to the tirade. How can you expect to be rescued if you don't put first things first and act proper? He took off his glasses and made as if to put down the conch. But the sudden motion towards it, most of the older boys changed his mind. He tucked the shell under his arm and crouched back on a rock. Then, when you get here, you build a bonfire that isn't any use. Now you've been and set the whole island on fire. Won't we look funny if the whole island burns up? Cooked fruit, that's what we'll have to eat, and roast pork. And that's nothing to laugh at. You said Ralph was chief. You don't give him time to think. And then when he says something, you rush off like, like, he paused for a breath, and the fire growled at them. And that's not all. Them kids, the little ones, who took any notice of them. You knows how many we got? Ralph took a sudden step forward. I told you to, I told you to get a list of names. How could I, cried Piggy indignantly, all by myself. They waited for two minutes, and then they fell into the sea. They went into the forest. They just scattered everywhere. How was I to know which was which? Ralph licked his pale lips. Then you don't know how many of us there ought to be. How could I? 
die with them little ones running around like insects. And then when you three came back, as soon as you said to make a fire, they all ran away, and, and I never had a chance. That's enough, said Ralph sharply, and snatched back the conch. If you didn't, you didn't. And you come up here and pinch my specks, Jack turned on him. You shut up. And them little ones wander down there where the fire is. How'd you know there aren't, they aren't still there? Piggy stood up, pointed to the smoke and flames. A murmur rose among the boys and died away. Something strange was happening to Piggy, for he was gasping for breath. That little one, gasped Piggy, him, him with the mark on his face. I, I don't see him. Where is he now? The crowd was silent as death. Him that talked about snakes. He was down there. A tree exploded in the fire like a bomb. Tall swatches of creeper rose for a moment into view, agonized and went down again. The little boys screamed at them. Snakes! Snakes! Look at the snakes! In the west and unheeded, the sun lay only an inch or two above the sea. Their faces were lit redly from underneath. Piggy fell against a rock, clutched it with both hands. That little one had a mark on his face. Where is he now? I tell you, I don't see him. The boys looked at each other fearfully, unbelievingly. Where is he now? Ralph muttered the reply as if in shame. Perhaps he went back to the, the, beneath them, on the unfriendly side of the mountain. And the drum roll continued. That's the end of chapter two. We will move on to chapter three coming up on tomorrow's show. Cool. Wow. Love this book. Lord of the Flies, William Golding, 1954. All right, folks. Thanks so much for popping by. Be sure and check out all our great sponsors in our show notes. Buy something. Pick yourself up a bag of blackout coffee beans. You will love it. And don't forget, while you're here, to hit that follow button. It's free for you. Helps the show out a lot. Really do appreciate that. And I will see you tomorrow. <laughs>